See how it's... It's oh. synced up a little bit. Oh! Oh! It's, oh! The timeline is breaking, but who broke it? Oh! Is it He's the chicken it. or the egg? Oh, and if you think that's cool, Empty, check out this. Could it have been synced this way? This, the drop! Is that an the Agatha drop. voodoo doll he's got on his desk there? I think so! Did it he just like drop Agatha? <laughs> oh my god! They planned it! They planned this whole thing, MT! It has to be an Agatha voodoo doll desk Or could ornament. it be a different uh, voodoo doll? Hold on, hold on. Wait, oh my god, it's... Boom! You looking oh. for this? Oh, every, you... every drop in the MCU, <laughs> Kang just caused. That's what that means. <laughs> That's what happens when you play things side by side. It means causality. It's that Boom. simple. Boom. Boom, are you looking for the ability to walk? Because Rhodey is. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to New Rock Stars. Did the breaking of the sacred timeline in Loki open up the multiverse, syncing perfectly with WandaVision's post credit scene? Or could Wanda becoming the Scarlet Witch have been the true trigger that broke the timeline? These shows have got to be connected, but how? Which came first, the ship of Theseus or White Vision's panic attack? Wait a damn, <laughs> a damn minute. minute. This is Inside Marvel. Loki's first season is complete, but we are still digesting clues for the way this series will connect or might have already connected to the rest of the MCU. I'm Eric Voss, here trying to answer your lingering questions from Loki with MT. MT, it's our first Wednesday without Loki. How has this week been for you? How are you feeling today? Um, it's hard to process a week without, um, a Loki in my life or some yeah. type of Loki variant. Um, I mean, I already had to go about two weeks without Gator Loki and, um, uh, I'm dead yeah. inside, Eric. I'm just dead inside. It's hard. It's hard, but <laughs> we're getting through it together because you know what? Here on YouTube, the season never ends. We're just going to keep oh, making no. videos on this until our questions are answered or until, uh, something else distracts us like a Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Please, get please, God, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, last week in our immediate reaction to the Loki finale, I pointed out how the sacred timeline shattering into a multiverse could have been connected to that WandaVision post credit scene when she heard her son's calling to her from another reality. Maybe that was the opening up of the realities there. Now, in the days since, the Loki-WandaVision connection has been a huge point of discussion. Lots of theories out there, including this discovery by TikToker Brian Walker, who claims that if you play the season finales of Loki and WandaVision at the same time, starting them both at the same time in their respective run times the moment he who remains realizes they've crossed the threshold lines up with the moment wanda powers up into the scarlet witch and uh also the object he drops syncs up with agatha's fall i love this dark side of the rainbow shit so <laughs> right? much it's i dig it it's so great. Um, in this episode, we're going to explore the true timeline between Loki and WandaVision, which crisis caused which, and what the true nexus event of Marvel Phase 4 has been so far. Because we still don't really know what the nexus event that caused all this. It could be a few different things, mm. really. Okay, okay. Now, uh, quick announcement. The Loki Gator Polo shirt from NewRockStarsMerch.com. I'm sorry, you missed your chance. It's sold out in record time. I mean, it's Gator Loki. Of course it was gonna. Yeah. We yeah, told he, you. We told he you. He doesn't stick around. That guy doesn't linger. He comes <laughs> He's got life. quick little feet. He got quick little feet. Yeah. He's going. They're faster than you think. You gotta run in zigzags. That's the classic, <laughs> classic Florida truism that we run. Uh, but uh, the good news is, when it comes to our merch, there's still other really, really cool Loki-inspired merch options available for a limited time, though. Like Mobius on a jet ski shirt. 
Uh, our Gator Loki stickers, uh, our Loki and Black Widow inspired latest obsession shirts that I am wearing, and MT, you have the I got that uh, Black Widow, you know, yeah, the I'm Red saying? Deep, yeah, yep. looking great. Um, gotta represent. Now, when you buy the latest obsession shirt at NewRockStarsMerch.com, it not only supports new rock stars, but also unlocks the ability to write in additional custom shoutouts that will appear at the bottom of your screen. Like, we got Randy Lewis, who says, Love you, NR. Do you think the shit Miss Minutes refers to is the Sphinx parked outside the Eliath portal? Referring to that Ooh. episode five one, I don't know. I think she was stalling in that moment. She, but She was definitely this, stalling it, for time Is there. the Sphinx a <laughs> ship? Is it a vessel? Well, it is, it's a vessel for King the Conqueror. Um, Ramatut, oh, yeah. That Ramatut version. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> I so love like, that theory. So, like, that could have been, what, like, the vessel that, you know, He Who Remains used when he was, conquer or when he was conquering Goliath or, or controlling him. Or, like, when he first arrived to the Void. So, like, that is actually a, uh, a very important piece of landmarks there in that fifth episode so yes <laughs> i love it uh what else we have malachi Vieira who says who would win in a fight thor or captain marvel mm, captain mm. marvel is powered in the mcu by derivative energy from the space stone thor right. is an asgardian god uh i think asgardians uh, might not be as powerful as eternals Right? You gotta look back yeah. at her power ranking. It's weird. I think the fact that uh, Captain Marvel can go binary in the comics makes her right. pretty god level, at least. Uh, but Thor can live upwards of 5,000 years, just, you know, aging naturally. Uh, I mean, if we're just talking MCU, I mean, just given with, like, what Captain Marvel did to Thanos in Endgame, and, like, versus Thor struggling with Thanos, I think, uh, for the MCU anyway, maybe Captain Marvel may... Uh, be a little bit stronger here but i don't know yeah not, it's not hard sure. because like you gotta look <laughs> at the context and the and the weapons they were using using stormbreaker thor would have had thanos even with all six infinity stones powered up uh with mm. the experience of using those stones so i would say thor with stormbreaker in peak condition is pretty unstoppable uh whereas thanos and captain marvel they were able to lock horns there but just by taking out the power stone and punching her with it. So I think based off of that, whatever that is, commutative property of mathematics, I think Thor <laughs> with Stormbreaker might be able to take her. I think that that's perfect. That make, that logic makes perfect sense. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It's we really also tough, got uh, Daniel Tan down here. He says, Lauren Balaz, uh, I love you so much. And thanks to New Rockstars, we get to goob Ooh. with the greatest. Oh, we love gooping with you. I love gooping with you, Lauren and Daniel. You guys are so nice. This is so nice. Daniel, this is very smart. I love that you did this. Thank you. <laughs> Again, get the latest Obsession shirt today before it is gone at NewRockStarsMerch.com. The Black Widow-inspired latest Obsession shirt is only going to be around for a short time as well, along with the Red Ledger Journal, NewRockStarsMerch.com. All right, MT, what's our uh, big question for this episode? Wait a damn minute. Are the finales of Loki and WandaVision synchronized? Yeah, let's talk about the timeline here. Currently on the <laughs> Disney Plus platform, their MCU and chronological order listing places Loki before WandaVision, perhaps just going mm. by the logic that Loki's branch forms from the 2012 point, and then it just right. kind of jumps around on the timeline, whereas WandaVision is set one month after Avengers Endgame in fall 2023. 
But mm. in truth, the TVA seems to exist outside of time, even though the final shot seemed to imply that this new TVA was a variable and thus maybe linked to a specific timeline. But either way, the Citadel, for sure, exists outside of the timeline. Uh, mm. And from that Citadel, he who remains can look out at the timeline ring that orbits him and see the past, see the future, to see all of it all together. That was that Alan Watts audio in the opening seconds that kind of teased that time does not, uh, you know, just move in one direction. Time for the right. he remains is not linear. So all the events of Loki are really taking place at the same time of every other MCU event, including WandaVision. So however you want to sync up this uh, final moment of the sacred timeline breaking apart, you're technically not wrong to do that because it is taking place aside every other MCU event we've seen. Uh, so if you can derive meaning from the way it connects to, um, you know, Thor in the Dark World, or Ant-Man running down the steps, <laughs> or uh, Shang-Chi getting in a tug-of-war with his dad. You're right. You're not wrong. It's okay. It can literally happen anytime. It's a very yeah. wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey type of situation. And those are technical terms MCU is using. He gets those directly from astrophysicists. Wibbly-wobbly. Exactly. Not just wibbly -wobbly. a bridge in London. Uh, so this whole discovery of Wanda powering up into the Scarlet Witch around the same timestamp as the moment he remains felt that threshold, it's a it's a super interesting thing. Though, yes. you know, looking at this logically, it probably is just a coincidence. Uh, because we also have to recognize that it's just highly unlikely that the editors of both these shows sat down in a meeting together to synchronize these moments, <laughs> wrap their entire episodes around exactly Though what the time code would be. I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe retroactively, like Marvel and Kevin Feige. <laughs> I know. I know this for a fact. I do. I no, have friends who work on TV shows. I know how these things are made. This, this is true. But like I'm saying, may maybe retroactively, Marvel and Kevin Feige are seeing all of these theories and just like, hmm, maybe we could just say, like like with Mar like what Marvel did with Iron Man 2 uh -huh. and the kid that um, uh, Iron Man saves in at the expo. Like, yeah, that was Tom Holland the whole time. Maybe they could just be like, oh, yeah, that's when the threshold happened, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, um, it's, and just like retconned it. You're right, MT. Marvel does love <laughs> Easter eggs. And Kevin Feige's aware of these on Twitter this week when he did the Black Widow watch party. He recognized the Val TVA. Uh, yes, it was thing. so cool. He said, but he said we didn't think of it. He could have in that moment just taken credit for it, but he didn't. Uh, I think it's one thing to know. say that one character who's a seemingly um, throwaway character is someone of greater importance. But to say, to force your editor to re-edit a specific <laughs> moment, because this just isn't how Marvel typically does Easter eggs. Uh, retconning mm -hmm. specific characters and, and putting set details in the background or, uh, you know, something like A23 or a visual effect or something like that. Yeah, for sure. But I think this is just really the result of, this is how TV shows are made. Episodic story structure is a tight formula, folks, despite it seeming like, oh, it's art, it's art. No, there, there is like a <laughs> formula that they follow. And the narrative climax, more often than not, usually hits like clockwork at the two-thirds mark of whatever you're watching. And uh, mm -hmm. screenwriting, we call this the break into three. Uh, and this, uh, and for both episodes, it was around the 28 minute mark. And if you're being honest, each of these moments, it's like a two minute window of things that you can kind of sync two minutes to overlap with each other pretty easily. Uh, and if you mm -hmm. watch any Hollywood movie, dude, around 15 minutes in exactly some inciting incident will happen. There is like a structure that- Unless it's really boring. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's, uh, not a typical Hollywood movie and it's just doing its own thing. But I think we could say things like WandaVision and Loki- are following formula. 
pretty pretty closely when it comes to timing these things out. Uh, but more than that, more than that, I just don't think the arrival of the Scarlet Witch was the thing that broke the timeline. Because that would mean it would have to be an accidental Nexus event in He Who Remains Eyes. Now, mm -hmm. it could have been. Like, obviously, Nexus beings like Wanda are going to be a dangerous blind spot for Kang. But the implication of Wanda's vision of her future self in that Mind Stone moment in Episode 8, remember she saw the outline of her future self as the Scarlet right. Witch? I think that implied that her becoming the Scarlet Witch was destined, always part of the timeline, which means it was part of someone's timeline script. So mm. I think maybe he remains saw that eventuality, but just didn't consider it a major threat for him, because we know his script ran out at some point. Uh, and that's going to be some other Kang's problem. But I think yeah. in the context of this Loki scene, I think what caused the timeline to unravel the way it did was the connection between Sylvie and Loki, producing whatever their anomalistic nexus event through their shared intellect that broke He Remains timeline and made him obsolete so that another Kang variant would have to take over. And I think it broke because it was always destined to, based on Sylvie's defiant individualism and her penchant for distrust and revenge. And if you're a writer working on Loki, something as cataclysmic as a timeline shattering is more meaningful if it's a consequence of your protagonists, not the result of actions by some characters not even in your show. So if we're talking about authorial intent, at least it would assume that uh, Loki writers would say this was probably just caused by Loki or Sylvie. He remains another Kang variant, some combination of that. However, I don't want to say we shouldn't connect these shows because, yes, I do believe they are interconnected. That is my general theory as a crazy Marvel scientist is that all these <laughs> things are connected. Um, and I believe that Loki's timeline explosion and WandaVision's post-credit scene are linked because in that scene... After some unspecified time in this cabin, reading through the Darkhold, only in that moment did Wanda finally hear her kids. And that would imply that something in the cosmos changed in order to mm. open that door. Uh, right. So I think, I like to look at it this way, where Loki caused WandaVision, as opposed to WandaVision caused Loki. Because this way, you don't need to think about WandaVision or Loki being different than as was right. presented to us when we watched it in order to do this math. Because it could just be as simple as, like, we see a scene in Doctor Strange's Multiverse Madness where Wanda or Doctor Strange say, eh, suddenly the multiverse just erupted into chaos, allowing realities to intersect. We don't know what caused it. Uh, so, <laughs> and Loki's like, me neither. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I wasn't there. They booted me back into Kang TBA. So uh, I think Loki variants coming together was what broke He Who Remains timeline so that he had to kind of retire, allow him allow a more chaotic Kang to rule, creating this multiverse of madness that affected Wanda in her post credit scene, and we will see the fallout of that in Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, maybe even Spider-Man No Way Home. But MT, I want to know your thoughts on this, and if you do have a specific take, I want to know, what did you think uh, he remains dropped on his desk in that moment? Like, what was that all about? <laughs> Dude, I like, played that moment over and over again, because yeah, I'm like, too. what the hell does he have in his hand? And I just can't pointed out and like I just, I just chalked it up to like you know this amazing man Jonathan Majors being the improv king that he is um, yeah. acting legend was just like you know what I'm just gonna pick this like random prop up yeah, and just like so. demonstrate that like you know <laughs> like there's no like I'm going off script and like you know things are uh -huh. different now and like maybe I'm in a just a new just a new phase of the cosmos um and so I yeah I don't think that object is all that significant I think that he was just like just just really feeling weird about 
freestyling freestyling it for the first time in eons. Yeah, but like, what did he expect <laughs> to happen? Did he expect it not to fall according to gravity, but like float off into space? Uh, was what the script he thought. I guess in that moment, mm. it was just his version of pinching himself. You know? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's like it's like whoa. It's like cool. Like I can like this was not predetermined. I didn't know what this is what. What oh, was happening? Maybe it's a What's Jurassic Park thing. Like, you know, Malcolm, where he has the drop of water on Laura Dern's knuckle. And then he's like, you would think it would roll one way or roll the same way again. But due to little micro indentations on your hand, chaos. The universe goes to chaos and then it'll roll a different way. So maybe it wasn't the drop. It was the way it hit the desk. It was supposed to bounce one way and then it bounced mm. another way or it didn't bounce. And that's what blew his mind in that moment. <gasps> Did we figure it out? <laughs> I think you did, dude. I think that's the exact answer. <laughs> but what do you th- what do you expect? Do you do you think we will get uh, some kind of recontextualization of that WandaVision post credit scene that explains what really happened in that moment? Do you think it'll be tied to Loki? Um, I think that you know the the connection of of, of Loki sort of causing that moment, like you said, um, in that cabin in WandaVision, makes a lot of sense because like she's able to connect out to the multiverse, and before the multiverse was tied together by he who remains and so like it makes logical sense for that moment of her hearing her um her children i don't know if they're actually you know they're multiverse children um that it makes sense for that for that to be the thing however we do have the um the factor that wanda is the scarlet witch so like I feel like Wanda could pro- probably just communicate with the multiverse or break through whatever binding um, He Who Remains uh, did on her own because she's just that diesel of a being. But yeah. logically, logically, the events of Loki seem to have happened first because everything's sort of outside of time. So I don't know, first in quotation marks. Um, before the uh, that that scene in WandaVision. But. Yeah, I guess what's interesting about this is that it seems like he remains slash whatever Kang collective he's part of uh, identified Loki and Sylvie as huge threats because of that Nexus event they created in Lamentus One. Uh, maybe right. the the two of them coming together creates like a Nexus being. But really, I think they should be more worried about the Scarlet Witch because the mm. only reason they were able to thwart sylvie and loki is because sylvie and loki as loki's are just uh innately distrustful and they get trapped in the game within the game whereas wanda i don't think cares about the game within the game she has other priorities she is not as selfish as these characters are she has these kids she has her love for vision you know um Mm. i there's a counter argument there that wanda by trapping all of westview in her mind hex is selfish in a way because it's her own grief but that chaos uh makes her in a way a bigger threat than loki is because you can't there's no game to try to corrupt with her she is she is more sincere i think in her uh motives she's not playing any tricks that you can get in like a a sherlock moriarty chess game with as uh he remains got in with loki and sylvie so I'm surprised that I'm not surprised. This is just a story that they're telling Kang is the villain yeah. of Loki, but uh, I'm just, it makes me curious to see if Kang is going to co- show up in some way in multiverse of madness. Hi everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi people, influences and experiences. Yes. It's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level the who, what, when, where, and why 
you are rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting, if they have kids, what shapes their marriages, if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Try like, to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. <laughs> Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. See, like, here's something that, like, I brought up the other day with my um, in my talk with uh, Jess during Rogue Theory about the nature of Scarlet Witch, and that, like, because he who remains obviously is the, the Kevin Feige of the Marvel universe, essentially. Right. Uh -huh. um, and he essentially knew that the events of WandaVision were going to happen. Maybe he's setting up Wanda to be a weapon against the oncoming Kangs that are coming because oh. he knows that the Kangs are just super diesel and that they are like, they're going to conquer anyway. So he's like, I'm going to set up this, uh, you know, this mentally unstable lady and yeah. she's going to be a weapon and she's going to kind of just be a rogue element because I don't know what she's going to do, but I know she's going to really make it hard for these Kangs uh, right. to, to conquer. Um, so like, I don't know, maybe in, in an attempt to like, to truly find the best Kang, because like, it's the trial by fire thing, because Kangs can fight other Kangs, but like, what if it's Kangs versus Kangs versus Scarlet Witch? Sure. Who, like, and like, I, I have this weird feeling that there is probably a bigger multiverse war going on than mm -hmm. we, we know about, because like, we have to consider the, uh, Dormammu and what we know about Dormammu and that he supposedly has conquered all these other dimensions or universes in the multiverse. And we also have Kang, who's also doing the same thing as well. So Kang and Dormammu have probably come to, to terms or like have come to butts or something, or I've been in a wars or it's of some kind, um, yeah. or have at least talked. So I'm at very interested talked. to see how that. <laughs> at, least <laughs> at least like I've taken tea. their broom and bumped on the ceiling. <laughs> What? You're no, making too much noise up there, Dormammu. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have several more questions we want to get to. First, we want to thank yes. some friends who helped us make it. Starting with our friends at Movement. In a tiny apartment in Southern California, two college dropouts teamed up to create a watch company that broke all the rules. With fair Ooh. prices, unexpected colors, and clean original designs, Movement grew into one of the fastest growing watch brands, shipping to over 160 countries across the globe. And now Movement has expanded into blue light glasses that protect your eyes from screens, expanded to minimalist jewelry, and more style essentials that don't break the bank, all designed out of their California headquarters. On July 20th, Movement is celebrating their eight-year anniversary by running a huge site-wide sale. Everything is 28% off. That's right, 28% off all their best-selling watches, their blue light glasses, their jewelry, and more. I recently got the Ocean Plastic Edition watch for Movement. It looks really cool, it's super functional, and its case, strap, and buckle are made entirely from reclaimed ocean plastic pollution. Bro, I saw you wearing it the other day, and it looked like pretty fancy. I yeah, dug it. Yeah, I like it. I love <laughs> it. Uh, Movement is going all out for their eighth birthday. This is their biggest sale of the year. Take advantage of these price points before they go. Don't miss Movement's biggest sale of the year. Go to mvmt.com slash Marvel and enjoy your 28% off. That's 28% off site-wide at mvmt.com slash Marvel. 
Join the movement. We also want to thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this episode. Our friends at Blue Chew have a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no doctor's office or pharmacy trips. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. You sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you receive your prescription within days. Their licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength. And Blue Chew is chewable, just like it says in the name, which is great news for folks that don't like swallowing pills. So if you could benefit from some extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we got a special deal for our audience. Try BlueChew for free when you use our promo code InsideMarvel at checkout. Just pay the $5 in shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code InsideMarvel to receive your first month free. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring this show. All right, back to Loki. MT, wait a damn minute. Why didn't Mobius or B-15 recognize Loki at all? Like, don't you think they should have at least recognized the infamous god of mischief? What does this tell us about this new reality that they're in at the end of the episode? Well, first of all, I think that Mobius and B-15 didn't recognize Loki specifically uh, to hurt our feelings. Because (laughs) they knew it would hurt us. Um, And it did. It, It really did. Because that was his best friend. Um, but no, I think that the reason why they didn't recognize Loki is probably because Loki is in the first ever loop of the TVA. Like, this is the one that, you know, Kang first started. And so, like, this is why no one knows who Loki is because they don't really have a whole lot of experience pruning timelines yet. And they're like, okay, our Loki in this universe Uh looks totally different. Maybe it's Richard E. Grant Loki. Maybe it's a completely different Loki. Like, maybe that's why they call him Classic Loki, because he was from the first um, run of the the multiverse um, loops. But that's my theory. What do you think? I think that's a really good explanation, MT. (laughs) I didn't think about that. My take of it was that this was a uh, Kang-dominated timeline now. And because Mm. Kang is such a conqueror that he went further and pruned all Lokis from birth. Like, he made a reality where it's not like infinite Lokis exist, but a reality where, like, no Lokis exist. Uh, and so the TVA doesn't even know the God of Mischief because, like, maybe there was some kind of alteration where Kang just went back to the source to that uh, battle with the Frost Giants in 965 AD and mm. prevented uh, that young Lafison child from being taken in by Odin and being taught mm. as guardian magic by Frigga and growing up alongside Thor and becoming the Loki that we know. Uh, and that, like... You know, maybe he who remains is like, no, we don't need to do that. We can use Lokis. We can just prune them uh, when their next events occur, but we don't need to prune them out of existence. Uh, yeah. And the, the Kang the Conqueror is like, no, we're going to kill baby Hitler. <laughs> no more Lokis. Like that element of chaos, we yeah. can't risk it. Take it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think either way, that's got to be the case, right? Because when Loki first walked into the TVA in episode one, a lot of these people were aware of who he was. And it wasn't just right. because there was a Sylvie variant. Like, Loki Lafison is one of the more famous people in all of reality in the Marvel world. Like, he's a celebrity mm-hmm. to them, you know? And I think <laughs> they just treat him like a run-of-the-mill detainee um, just to kind of, like, beat him down a bit, you know? Um, but, like, they're aware of who... They're, they wouldn't mistake him for an analyst, you know? Uh, yeah. So that was crazy. Okay, so our next question of the day is... Wait a damn minute... Why did Sylvie say she was pruned before Loki was born? Yeah, okay, so this kind of like brings up 
what might just be, you know, to a lot of people, a plot hole that the show hasn't really given an answer for. And I think MTU mm. and I and a lot of other people and a lot of other people watching the show have just kind of taken it for granted that this makes sense. But it really doesn't necessarily like so Sylvie was pruned before Loki was born, but if it's, if it's all happening all at once, how was she pruned before he was born? And I think what this means, it's kind of what you were saying, MT, is mm -hmm. that the reason why all these variants exist, despite them coming from timelines that are pruned, despite they're only supposed to be one sacred timeline, why do we have a Loki that's an alligator or a Loki that's a woman or a Loki that looks like Richard E. Grant? Uh, or, you know, any of the other Loki variants that we see, uh, their existence was not their nexus events. They didn't shapeshift into these forms. They were born the way they are, looking the way they mm -hmm. are. But it's because within the sacred timeline, it is really like a coaxial cable. If you were to cut mm -hmm. open a coaxial cable, yeah, there is a central cable, but there's like a bronze uh, weave you know, there's right, like a mesh right. weave or like a mm -hmm. think of a bundle of rope or like a hair braid or something like that. Or like a, a Twizzler. A Twizzler. <laughs> another great example. <laughs> it is really a cord that is uh, woven tightly with a ton of other cords that if you cut it, it frays. And mm. I think that's what this is really is. It's, it's a collective of a bunch of smaller cords, a bunch of smaller timelines that all kind of weave together and don't interfere with each other. And when you cut it, uh, or when you break it, one of those starts to fray off. And if too many of them mm -hmm. start to fray off, it all comes apart. So I think uh, that is what the sacred timeline is. And I think the show didn't necessarily give us that firm visual as much. But within that one sacred timeline, there is a separate reality where Loki was an alligator. A separate one where it's uh, Sylvie. A separate one where it's Boastful Loki. A separate one where it's Classic Loki. A separate one where it was President Loki. And none of them interfered and none of them created a, uh, a Kang. And when they do, the Kang timeline gets pruned. I think the Nexus event for each of them is they did something different in their life that led to an eventuality where Kang would rise. So the fact that he who remains his uh, prerogative was to prevent other Kangs from forming. I think that tells us it's not about Loki. It was, it was about Kang really. Um, but yeah. So when Sylvie said I was pruned before Loki was born, maybe that was the writer's version of trying to explain this, that the sacred timeline is kind of what you were saying. MT. it's like a, it's a loop. It's just going around and around and around and around. And each time it loops back, it's a new cord gets formed within exactly. that rope. Exactly. Now, that's exactly what I would answer too. Cause like, that's, it's precisely what's going on. It's like with, with that first, uh, with the TVA that we find Loki in, that I suspect to be the first ever loop, that's the first cord in the coaxial cable. And then the next uh -huh. loop will do the second cord, and then, like, it keeps going, like you said, and then it's making this one super coaxial, um, yeah. sacred timeline, uh, multiverse cord. It's yeah. very weird. And when uh, the timeline breaks, the, the, we're seeing those initial frays, but then it just spills out into a spider web, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's what that is supposed to mean. Um, but all these things still existed within the timeline. Uh, all these things were kind of existing in a kind of harmony altogether. Mm -hmm. um, but what is interesting about it is it's almost like, well, is the sacred timeline, if it is one, is it one loop that's tightly coiled? I get like a slinky that's smushed together. And if you were to stretch out a slinky, it is just one string of metal or plastic or whatever it is. Um, mm. So is the idea that like I think this is why it's hard for a lot of people to wrap their minds around it because like it's oh it's one thing to say that time is not linear it's another thing to say that it loops back on itself at the end of time so does it mean like 
there's some inevitable millions, billions of years from now, the end of the universe where it just unravels so much, everything explodes or something, and then it resets like a level of Mario, and it goes back to the Big <laughs> Bang, and that explosion is just the Big Bang, and it and it because uh, when people say time is a flat circle, it's like, well, then what causes the reset if time is a flat circle? Exactly. That's um, not a, you just said yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Like no, like no. Like if, what yeah. causes the reset? Exactly. Yeah, like, that's a yeah. good point. And like you know, there. I think there could be a, like a big crunch situation where um you know everything just goes together and, and causes the big bang. But uh-huh. no, that's a that's a really good point. Like those are all very valid points. But, but um, I think that's what like we did start to see in the opening animation of episode. That's six, exactly right? what I think. Is, you yeah, know, like bang. we saw, yeah. we zoomed out from our solar system, our galaxy, our universe, and then it all condensed in a sphere mm-hmm. that exploded into a big bang. But like mm-hmm. those planets would not have existed before the big bang. So it's almost like saying the big bang is the reset point over and over and over again, spewing infinity stones into the universe, creating different planets, causing these planetary body co- bodies to collide, stars to form, you know, solar systems to form. And then eventually it reaches a point of critical mass again and it explodes again. And that each time is the coil reset. I think that's the big crunch, man. Like everything, the big, crunch. The big bang, the big bang happens. And then like, that's all the matter spreading out. And then the big crunch is all the matter coming back in forming a little ball. And then psh, the big bang happens again. So like, it's, I think that that could be the, the exact loop that we're, we're seeing, and that's what causes the Big Bang. And that could be a potential thing that, um, this is this is actually something I've been thinking about, the Big Crunch. And I think that's this could be what the Collector is preparing for. Because, mm. like, you got to remember that the Collector in Guardians 1, he's not just collecting because he's a freak. I mean, that's a big wow. reason why he's collecting, and he's a terrible person. But he's, he's also um, b- described his character, uh, Benicio Del Toro, as like a Noah. And like he's collecting oh. all of these these um, creatures for a specific thing that he he's sees building coming. an arc. And he since he's one of the first beings to ever exist in all of time and space because if he's an elder of the universe, I think that he sees this big um, crunch coming up and he's like, you know what, the universe is about to be rebooted. I got my arc ready to roll. So you I know. Love that. I don't know, but that's just me. That's being such mild. a cool theory, MT. Um, <laughs> I hope it's true. Um, we me have uh, some time to answer a few questions. We'll try to do these rapid fire, just a few of these. Uh, wait a damn minute. What do you think Sylvie will do now? What's her next step from that Citadel? Hmm. Um, she could do pretty much anything because now she has that ultimate tempad wrist thingy that yeah. was left behind by Kang when he passed away, unfortunately, by mysterious circumstances. <laughs> um, but, uh, I think that she could maybe try to lead a TVA of her own, um, okay. because she does have the power and, you know, it would sort of be really interesting because like she goes after the guy that, um, you know, affected her life and, and changed so many el- people's lives that like, maybe when Loki runs into her next, she's like, I became the thing that I hated the most. And right. I think that'd be really interesting for her character, um, just dive into like the, you know, the responsibility of power, um, yeah. which is what he who remains struggled with. But yeah, yeah, I think she's gonna go on a killing spree to kill every <laughs> Kang that she can, whack a mole style, and it's never gonna yes. be enough for her. And she's gonna go one, and each time when she kills one, he's gonna say, "See you soon." And she's gonna, be like, ah, I didn't get the right one. <laughs> and she's gonna go one by one, and eventually she's gonna get to young Nathaniel Richards, Iron Lad of the Young Avengers, and he's gonna be like, oh, no, 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 I don't wanna be Kang. She's like, I'm gonna kill you. He's like, no, I'll be good, I'll be good, I promise. And then that will lead him to become Iron Lad. 
I think. Oh, um, that'd be really interesting. It's like, hey, like he changes his mind because Sylvie shows him who he could become. But I love that. Yeah. I love that. I dig it. Um, here's a question. Wait a damn minute. Some people have been pointing out how Casey's evidence card got pruned back in episode one, suggesting that it should have gone to the <laughs> void, right? So is there a drawer full of infinity stones in the void now that someone could use? Yeah. I mean, sure. that seems that like that's the logical thing and someone's going to find it. Um, hopefully, uh, the one-armed Loki, because he could get himself another arm that way, but, yeah. you know. Or yeah, Elias ate it and is having terrible heartburn. Yeah, he just, he has to pass those stones, yeah. uh, which is gonna be really rough for him. I mean, in the past, I've theorized that, like, uh, the reason the stones weren't usable in the TVA is because, like, he can't use magic in the TVA, like, Loki can't use his sorcery, and that's why Sylvie's enchantment didn't really work. But in the Void, it's different. They totally use their enchantment and their magic in the Void. But I also yeah. wonder if, like, when you make a an Infinity Stone redundant wherever you take it, it loses its power, is my theory. That, like, it's not usable. Like, the fact that it's not one of a kind anymore makes it, it mm. neutralizes it. it. That's kind of my thinking. It, it makes it easier because otherwise it's it opens too many possibilities, I think. <laughs> I think that... You know, just given by this the ancient one's explanation of the time stream and the and right. the universe in in uh in Avengers Endgame, because the ancient one said that the Infinity Stones create what we perceive as time. Uh-huh. So like anybody within the time stream can use the Infinity Stones because the Infinity Stones kind of make the time stream. But when you exit the time stream and enter the TVA, it's like you are no longer within Infinity Stone Realm. So therefore, these rocks are useless. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, (laughs) One final question that we'll ask for this episode. Throg, how did he get in the jar? What is his backstory? (laughs) Well, I think, I I really like to think that Throg and Gator Loki arrived yeah, in the at the void at the same time, and then Throg was like, "Okay, Loki, let's get, let's do get help." And Gator Loki's like, "We're not doing get help," and he just puts him in a jar and shoves him underground. I don't know how he manages to put him in a jar because he doesn't have opposable thumbs, but Gator Loki will find a way. Yeah, um, I, how do you think Throg got into the jar? Uh, <laughs> I I guess the question is is was this a Thor that was turned into Throg, or is this mm. a Throg that was always a Throg? Um, I'm willing to bet this is a reality where Thor was turned into a frog and that was uh, a Nexus event for some Loki. That led to a reality where Loki could create Kang or something like that. So it was pruned. Um, so I, I think uh, I, it tells I, us more about the Loki from the reality came from than the Thor from that reality. Honestly, yes, because like the jar was right outside the Loki secret base. Right. So like, yeah, that does make sense for him to be a, a, Lo- a Thor that was turned into a frog by a mischievous Loki. And I think the Mjolnir was put right there just to taunt him. Uh, yes. But what you would think that if he could pull the Mjolnir, he would be able to power up, like he could summon it. But maybe this yeah. Throg is not worthy of that Mjolnir. Maybe it's a Mjolnir from another timeline. And so uh, across timelines, mm. the worthiness charm doesn't work. Even though in Endgame, though, I guess future Thor was able to summon that. And that was, they were in a variant timeline at that point. It's true. But I think it maybe wasn't variant until he pulled Mjolnir. I think that what could have happened, now that I'm thinking about it, is that what if this is the Thor that Kid Loki said that he killed? Because he left him in a jar underground. <laughs> he was like, I killed Thor. and Because after he turned him into a frog. Yeah, it doesn't And how. Thor is underground he doesn't he doesn't see that mjolnir is there so he doesn't try to summon him 
because he's in the dark. Only we can see it uh-huh. from our point of view. So he's just trying to get out, but he's just like right in front of Mjolnir and he has no idea. Yeah. And he's just like, ah. And it's like, this is Loki's torture. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he has no fucking clue. <laughs> Well, uh, we're going to keep talking about Loki in the weeks ahead, but that is it for this episode of Inside Marvel. MT and I are going to be back every Wednesday to continue unpacking Loki and to answer all your biggest Marvel questions as we wait for the premiere of What If on August 11th. And of course, don't forget to check out our many great Loki merch options at NewRockStarsMerch.com. Follow MT at Mastertainment. Follow me at EA Voss. Follow New Rockstars. Subscribe to Inside Marvel wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.